0: It was one Sunday morning, and he told me that, quote, God had put me on his heart. And that's when I bowed my head and closed my eyes. That's when he
1: touched me. Welcome to All God's Children. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go and talk about that taboo trinity, race, religion, and politics. Thank you for joining the Raceless Gospel Podcast, where word meets flesh, and where we gather to talk about the sticks and stones that break the skin and bones of the body of Christ, and the structure of a church service. I am your host and podcast pastor, Starlet Thomas. Season three of the Raceless Gospel Podcast is brought to you in part by the CBF Podcast. Since 2016, the CBF podcast has delivered over 300 episodes of interviews with thinkers, authors, theologians, creatives, and practitioners for conversations that matter. These critical and innovative conversations have garnered weekly support from around the world. The CBF podcast tries to cultivate healthy and diverse theological dialogue in a culture fraught with division. Stream and subscribe to the CBF podcast on Apple, Google, Amazon, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast platforms. Learn more at cbf.net slash podcasts. On today's podcast, I am joined by Morgan Stralo, writer extraordinaire and host of Sanctuary Woman, a podcast on spiritual and sexual formation we will discuss the body language of the North American church, which faithfully turns a blind eye to abuse of all kinds. But first, will not you pray for us? And do pray with me. God, who is all eyes. We pray for those who are turned away, whose experiences are denied, and who are then re-traumatized, who did speak up the first time, but then the person they confide in turns a blind eye. And so it happens again and and again. You know why this keeps happening. It is not because your eyesight is failing. Instead, our own systems of justice are. We care more about the checks that balance our budgets. Oh, God. God, you know why this keeps happening. She shouldn't have to say it again. We heard her but can't look her in the eyes because we would have to recognize something hard to see otherwise about ourselves. God, oh God, who do you call when the cries for help are coming from inside the church, inside the house of prayer? inside our childhood home, inside the school, inside the gym, inside the car parked on a side street. (sighs) This is a dark and lonely road. Go with those who we refuse to see because of bad touches, inappropriate advances that cut chances of victims feeling safe even when placed in good hands. Keep an eye on them as I leave them now in your hands. Amen. First, giving honor to God, who believes victims of abuse the first time. To the pastors who preach against abuse in their sermons. To the members who call it out in their fellowship. To the friends who report the first signs of it. To the visitors who intervene instead of just passing it on to the next innocent bystander. I want to talk about abuse, if you don't mind. I know... (laughs) I know it's not something we talk about, but it's well past time. It's it's never the right time unless we're talking about, well, not talking about it. And instead, forgiving him. And sometimes her not breaking up your family and not ruining his life. Just, just give it time, they say. Wolves in clergy collars, in daddy's trousers. It makes me want to holler the way the church treats victims of sexual and physical abuse. Just smile and it will make us feel better when we see your black eye, your busted lips, the patches in your scalp where hair used to be. Just uh, just, just dress it up. Put on some makeup and do something with your hair to cover it up. Make it look pretty so we don't have to deal with reality. If I don't see it, then it didn't happen. And I just can't believe he would do such a thing. Do something like that to his his own daughter. That he is the kind of person who would abuse his wife, who would abuse the children in his care, and who trusted him. He... He is my friend. And would never do something like that. I hear what you're saying, but I just can't see it. So... So it all just boils down to your eyes, which are not black and blue with bruises, which are not swollen from crying. Now I get it, but that's your testimony. You haven't listened to hers. Our scripture reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 22 through 24. And it reads this way in the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our more respectable members do not need this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, your podcast pastor, and we'll be right back. I'm Wanda Hardy-Kidd. I'm a retired campus minister in my late 60s, living in North Carolina. A couple of years ago, burdened by grief, I left home, alone, a road trip, just me, my truck camper, and a broken spirit. But I found healing in my desert wanderings. This June, join me for the journey again. 30 episodes, a short one each day. Journey Through the Desert, from me, Wanda Hardy-Kidd, and Good Faith Media. This is Reverend Starlet Thomas, welcoming you back to this episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast. I want to introduce to some, and present again to others, Morgan Stringlow, who has a way with words and is also a communication strategist. For today's sermon, we will engage in the tradition of call and response as sacred back and forth. Feel free to join in as official members of the Amen Corner. Pray for us as we discuss the North American church's body language. As you know, this season is on body language, and we're going to be talking about the church that turns a blind eye, unfortunately. Um, and so Morgan, first, I want to thank you for being here and for, um, accepting the invitation to hold space around a tender, um, topic, uh, about the body and the way in which we talk about bodies that have been abused. So my first question that I want to pose to you now that it has been, it has been my experience uh, that the North American church too often turns a blind eye when it comes to physical and sexual abuse. In your estimation what has been or is the North American church's body language at the mention of such harm?
0: Mm. Starlet, this too has been my experience. Um, And I've also observed it to be a broader systemic issue in the North American church. And um, the, the church's body language communicates to me um, as well as many others, both inside the church and outside the church, is that men are worthy of protection, and women are not worthy of protection. Oh, and by the way, the more power a man has in the church or in the community, the extent of that protection has no bounds. Mm. And, and many times, the willingness to protect him at all costs, and I, and I say this um, knowing that there is abuse that happens, um, you know, where the, the woman is an abuser and um, a man or the boy can be a victim. Um, but in, because this, in the, tr- in the context of the church um, and the power dynamics, it is typically um, a male uh, pastor or a male um, member of the congregation. But, you know, this willingness to protect him. So that's why I'm saying him, uh, the pronoun. Um, Is at the expense of not just one woman or one child, but but women and children. And um, so I think that the, maybe the intention to um, not harm the church's reputation or Mm -hmm. not harm how um, others outside the church might view the church or might view um, the broader Christian church. There's this, I think, misguided intention to, you know, let's let's keep this quiet. Um, let's protect the reputation of everyone involved for the sake of the gospel, right? Right, right. <laughs> because because apparently we need um to protect the gospel um all of a sudden. Mm. Um, but what about what about the victims, right? What about the women and the children who by the way also um, deserve protecting and I think probably need our protection more than the gospel does if, if yeah. I say.
1: Yeah.
0: And so as a, as a teenager um My experience with this, I was sexually assaulted um, in the church by a regular attendee, a man, a stranger to me, um, who stopped me um, in a crowded church hallway and asked if he could pray for me. Pray, P-R-A-Y, P-R-E-Y, in this case, interchangeable. Um it was one Sunday morning and he told me that, quote, God had put me on his heart. And that's when, you know, 16 year old Morgan, I bowed my head and closed my eyes. Um, and that's when that's when he touched me. Um, and he laid his hands on me. Um, and I was a teenager. I you know, I ran into a bathroom after that happened, told my best friend's mother, he went and found my parents getting ready to go on stage with the choir and, um, ended up in the pastor's office after church that day, telling him what happened. And that was the last we ever talked about it. Never came up again. Um, and the man, I don't even know his name. Um, I would still see him at church. Um, every Sunday morning, he would sit in the same seat. I could see him from where I sat with the youth group. Um, and, you know, that's a very, you know, that's one of my experiences when I look back and I think about, like, I don't know what happened. There was no closure. I don't know if he was ever talked to. I don't know. Maybe he was. I don't know. Um but I know that in a lot of cases um you know, in my case like there was there was just silence around it. It was just like okay. Thanks for letting us know. And then I don't know. Did I don't know what happened after that. (laughs) And so, um, I processed that event in my late twenties for the very first time in therapy, because I like, I had forgotten all about it. Like I forgot about it because no one ever talked about it again. Um, and so that's a personal experience I've had. I don't know. Um, anything about this man or what other, you know, as, as a 30 year old now, (laughs) who like knows more. I'm an adult now. I wasn't then, but it's like, if I could go back and demand that, how do we make sure this doesn't happen to any other girls? How, how do we make sure this doesn't happen to any of my friends? Um, how do how do we make sure of that like this happened in a crowded church hallway and in my mind it's like
1: surely someone saw that I don't know there were so many people around do we have the language for it I mean I was raised in a church where um, your body belonged to your husband Mm -hmm. Um, and so if they if you were in a relationship with someone you were going to marry them and they had access to your body and you really didn't have a say in that and there was a theology around it. You know, the woman's body was a source of temptation, right. or for, it was a source of gratification for her husband. There was no middle ground. Mm-hmm. We didn't have language for reporting for good, for right, good right. touch, oh, bad sure. touch. Um, and oftentimes, if we made mention of, it, we were quickly hushed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we were told that we needed we needed to cover up. So there was definitely um, victim blaming. But then there was also mm-hmm. spiritual bypassing, um, oh, yeah. and a, lots of of toxic um, positivity, you know, these things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, was, Jesus suffered abuse. Um, Jesus was mistreated. This is just a test. Um, but, but trauma is not a part of a testimony. Trauma is trauma. Uh, so I think the church would do itself well and, mm-hmm. in believing that it possibly is saving the face of God, which cannot happen, or saving God's reputation uh, by not reporting abuse or pointing out abuse or certainly putting people out who are abusing. I think we would do well to start first with the way in which we talk about the body and specifically women's bodies. Maybe that way we yes. will treat them differently. Um, yeah. I did and not know about your experience, <laughs> and so I'm taking it all oh, no. in. Yeah. Um, it's, it's always okay. sad. It is always sad. <laughs> the, statistics, the, the statistics are one in three women, and so I, it certainly has happened to me. It has happened to you. And it's always disheartening that there is not a safe place for the female body. And the place where you mm-hmm. f- should feel safest, you would hope, is a church. hmm and so often it's not the case. And to use and to use biblical language and to use a spiritual practice in order to 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 quickly groom um, yes. and manipulate a situation in order to gain power in mm-hmm. order to abuse. It's, it's, there's levels of of disgust, um, quite frankly, and then just of um, of disappointment, and then just I'm just dumbfounded at the mm-hmm. the audacity. To employ a spiritual lens, to give a spiritual language to a practice that is very much carnal, uh, very much fleshly, very much selfish and harmful and abusive. Mm. Um, so I'm always taken aback, I'm aghast at uh, the, the audacity of abusers. That they will use every, any trick, any tool, uh, any word to play on the victim and to pull the victim in to do what they would like to do. And I wish the church would get a hold of that. Um, there's much talk about the devil uh, let's 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 name what these devils look like, sound like. So often, you know, it's I got the one that was, you know, you're going to hell um, with the red jumpsuit. No, that's not exactly. <laughs> it's not exactly the one I'm thinking about. Um, so I think we have a lot of work to do around body, around the theology of the body, mm-hmm. and certainly around this this devil business. Um, yeah,
0: I think that that one thing you know, as I reflect on my story, is, and what I think is so applicable to this conversation about the context of the church is that I had only ever like trust like I had no reason not to trust anyone exactly in that in that church building it's the church that I had gone to for as long as I can remember remember you know like we were the fan like everyone knew my family we knew everyone else except apparently this person <laughs> um and it was a place i was very comfortable i felt safe i trusted people so when a stranger like asks if he can pray for me mm. like sure thank you that's so kind um and, you know, whenever I, I process this years and years later, um, it it started making more sense to me as I unpack the baggage I have around prayer Ugh. and the, um, at least like the communal aspect of prayer and my big belief that consent and praying for someone especially when it is in, involving laying your hands on someone's body um whether it's shoulders you know like I mean I'm all about you know like I think there's power in touch and I don't want to deny the power in touch in our queer lives um but I've also experienced experienced it being misused and abused and I think that again one in three women have have had hands laid on them Mm. that were not welcome and and that that's just reality and we have to be aware of that in the context of the church when hands being laid on us should be a safe thing that's right but it hasn't always been experienced as that. And if we want to help the church become a safer place for women, for everyone, but for women, um, we need to be thoughtful about um, our, some of the way we employ our practices, mm-hmm. our, spirit, our good spiritual practices. We need to be thoughtful about um, our promptings um, in our community um, don't just say like lay your hand on someone sitting nearby. Um, that's that is very uncomfortable for me. <laughs>
1: yeah, but you've you've highlighted uh, a good point about why it's so important not to look away or pretend that we didn't mm-hmm. see anything because this is what happens. We end up yes. re-tra- re-traumatizing and, and things that were meant to be good and now are not are not not good. And it's it's so saddening because when I initially started doing work around sex and sexuality, um, the statistic was one in four. Mm. It's almost 20 years ago. It was one in four. It's now one in three. So tell me this. Why is it hard to accept, believe, and confess? Yes, that's a nod to the ABCs of salvation, if you're listening, Um, that someone has been or is being abused. What about this experience of the body causes so many of us to want no part of it?
0: Mm. I mean it it doesn't it doesn't make sense and we don't want to believe that someone especially someone we love or someone we look up to um could do this and you know this past weekend i watched the new documentary on discovery plus um called whole song a mega church exposed and um baas um i believe is how you pronounce his last name he's an attorney advocate for abuse survivors, um, he appeared in the series and he said the failed response of the church and faith community has a graver impact on the victim than the actual abuse itself.
1: Absolutely. And, and yes, <laughs> like, yes, absolutely. Yes, Jesus and, saves, but if you don't come in, <laughs> but if you're not, if I, when I find out that you wouldn't save me either, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean the the church of all places should be a place of, of of refuge and healing and safety and and not of harm. And you know, I I think that we don't like to believe that the church can be a place where harm can happen. And. I don't want to believe that either because I do love the church and Starlet, I know you do too. And that's why we do the work we do is because we, we want to, we want to be a part of the church living into the potential of what the church was created to be. That's right. And um, because of our love for the church, we must um, hold it accountable um, and sometimes that means um, we can't just choose to believe what we want to believe. That's but right. We must act, actually like um, listen to um, and look for and search for and investigate um, for the truth. And we like to talk about big T truth in our churches all day long. But when it comes to little T truth, mm. um, that's, that's something
1: that we get real uncomfortable with. Morgan went over to preaching. When you said we want to believe what we want to believe, I said, that's a word right there. Someone's mm. telling the truth. And because they're not in power, we don't listen to them. We're very dismissive. Yeah. And
0: I watched my own family went so badly to believe the best mm-hmm. and support a man who is now in prison um, for, I mean, sh- Sexual assault of a minor. Um, he's a sexual predator. His mugshot was on the face of the Houston Chronicle's reporting of Southern Baptist Church's um, long-time problem of protecting its mm-hmm. its leaders and refusal to hold them accountable. And um, this this man was my my little sister's youth pastor. And he was beloved, like my family had gone on vacations with his family. Um, when he was forced out of their church, for no one knew why. Are you serious? Um, no one knew why. And he was he started a church in the same town. And you have to, you know, before he was arrested, not long before he was arrested, by the way, but you have to wonder. Who knew
1: if that that's church? Right. That's right.
0: Because he was a beloved, a beloved youth pastor. Um and and my my family followed him to his new church. And you know, it was one of those things where um, even still to this day, I we can't talk about mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. When, I, when I'm around. Um, I also realized, you know, my sister was 17, 18 at the time. She was kind of emerging out of the youth group. And I realized that my family's desire to want to believe him was would have, if my sister were to have been a victim, it would have impacted her sense of like, security and safety to come forward and um, and and she wasn't we know that yeah. um, but there were other girls in the youth group who were and I think that there was this I, I remember and, and I do feel for how my my mother you know she good friends with his wife and was like these are my friends. How do I, you know, like, how do I love my friends through this? And I like, I, like, I get that desire and someone needs to, to love them. But I think there's gotta be a way where we can love and be accountable where we can, we're We can see accountability as love. And I think that so often we see accountability as an attack, that's we right. We see accountability as something that that um, Satan is out to to get. That's us right. Get the church. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think that account. I mean, oftentimes, I mean, accountability is the most loving thing you can do—not yeah. just for that person, but for the most people possible, and for the church. Exactly <laughs> and right. we we really struggle because. And 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 we're well-meaning when we do. We're well-meaning when we want to protect the person who turns out to be a predator. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of well-meaningness, and there's a lot, and we do it out of love. And I think there's just a lack of discipleship in our churches, um, and probably a lot of just lack of leadership training. There's just a lack of a lot of education Mm -hmm. um, about our bodies, about um about power dynamics about um yeah I mean I just we don't talk about it so we don't know how to respond both as like a church body as leaders as we've just failed from top to bottom
1: absolutely and yeah I mean no, you, you're hitting it right on. We don't talk about yeah. Bruno and we don't talk about sexual abuse and we don't talk about sexual harassment mm-hmm. or predation. And we don't talk about misogyny and we don't talk about the, the patriarchy. We don't talk about white supremacist theology. <laughs> there's just things we just don't talk about because right, we want to protect right. the image of the church and our, our understanding yes. of faith as non-confrontational as needing no accountability mm-hmm. as all pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. It's like, no, there's an underbelly to this. Up yes. under this stained glass window, there, there, There's some dirt around here, but we don't want to dig those Mm -hmm. things up. The only dead body we want is Jesus's and he got up. (laughs) (laughs) There'll be no skeletons Mm -hmm. around here. The only dead body we talk about is Jesus's. Okay. And we're (laughs) going to keep it there. So, so what's always striking to me is that abusers say, don't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. And then those we trust like persons in leadership at churches say, I know I heard, let's not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's put that behind us. I'm sorry that that happened to you. Let's not talk about it. so what 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 language must we give to bodies that are being or have been abused? Mm-hmm. because I was talked to as if I was less than now. I was dirty. Oh, yeah. I was used, and no one would want me because I had been touched. Those were mm-hmm. the words they used dirty, used, mm-hmm. and touched. that was that, that that was the depth of the language um, that I received yes i
0: I honestly think we need to be start, we need to start talking about bodies, um, and conversations that have nothing to do with sex or sexuality. So while we certainly need to be talking about that, like talking about our bodies needs to happen beyond those conversations It need to start like before those conversations. And the only time I ever heard about bodies in church, other than <laughs> the Lord's supper and, Jesus's body and um, is, you know, when we were having like true love weights and purity culture conversations. And yeah, it's all about um, the clean and the unclean. And there's this like level of like disgust that we like approach our bodies with or a level of like disgust or distrust. Yeah. I mean, that in and of itself is grooming us whether we
1: you're absolutely right
0: like I, I know that's not the intention but it's the reality oh yeah because when when we like live in bodies that we've been conditioned to feel more shame of than um, acceptance that's and right love and embrace. And listen, we for a religion and a faith that was built around a God being an embodied person, God coming in a body. Come on and preach. We do we we do a, like very poorly in emphasizing the um belovedness yeah. of of bodies. And if it was significant for God to become a body, isn't it significant that we have bodies that are good Hmm. and not just um, tempting and not just dirty and not just fill in the blank? Um, And so I think that when we only talk about our bodies as shameful, it's much easier to silence us when, um, our bodies have been assaulted or abused because shame thrives in silence and silence thrives in shame. Like those just go together. And so, you know, one, one reason I think we need to be speaking up more in the church communities about bodily things and good, holy, natural, shame-free ways, like, you know, whether it's sex education or not, um, which I do think sex and sexuality education is very important and I, I think it, it belongs in the church. Because if we don't speak about it with the goodness it was created with and as under the steeple, then conditions under that steeple are gonna be ripe for, for silence and ripe for shame. And so we have to talk about it before it happens to us. We have to know our bodies before they are abused and misused. Um, So we can tell someone and have the language to communicate to to ourselves and to others what has happened. If we don't have language for it, then it's gonna stay silent, right? If we don't have language for it, we can't communicate it. So we have to have the language. We have to talk about it to have the
1: language. Y'all can't see her because we're, we're in the Zoom church, but she's just nodding her head like she's, you know, I'm just talking, I'm not saying much. Morgan is preaching. Morgan, Morgan has went on over to preaching. Morgan started preaching so well, I started thinking about the ways in which my, first, my body was first introduced to me in the church and it was mm-hmm. as sinful. My mm-hmm. body was sinful. Um, yeah, my body was the problem and I needed yeah. to cover my body up. My body was a source of temptation. I was, mm-hmm. I was sorceress. I was wickedness. I was, I was Jezebel. I had the potential to be her. If I did not become saved, if I did not cover up, if I did not show up in church every single Sunday, my body was, was against me before I even knew anything about mm-hmm. my body. Um, and mm-hmm. so this, you're just highlighting um, and making plain for us why it is so important to have these conversations. Um, so as you were talking, I, 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 I had to think about it. How was my body introduced to me and it was introduced to me at church as sinful and mm-hmm. i've been covering up my body ever since
0: yeah and
1: oh
0: awareness matters awareness of our bodies and also awareness of um, our environment and things that could happen to our bodies um because like we've mentioned several times so far one in three women yeah and 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 men boys and men too yeah you know it, it, it's not as um high of a statistic but but it happens it is reality and and awareness matters because awareness protects us um and lack of awareness does more to endanger us um and i think the church in my experience um hesitates to talk to us about our bodies um, because they're trying to protect us. And mm. in fact, it, you know, as we grow up and, and we can reflect on how the churches of our, of our past and our experience and, and the experience of broader culture and, and, and recognize where the church has failed us. and, I think this is one of those things where, you know, their their lack of protection of us um really imbalanced the power dynamic more than it already was. <sighs> and so um goes back to the grooming thing.
1: Yeah, I, I, I the last question, because not only was it introduced as sinful, it was also introduced as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're I sinful, am. but if you, if you, but if you confess Jesus right now, <laughs> for the bargain price of whatever you're tithing today, you will be the temple of the Holy Spirit and treasure in a clay vessel. So uh, we Christian believers are taught that our bodies are special. They're also taught. We're also taught that. So what is the healing work ahead to ensure that we practice? what we teach. I think <laughs> not being
0: afraid to talk about it, how it was made, talk talk about our bodies. Um, if they are special, then, then why do we treat them like they are dangerous? Yes. Or why do we um, treat them like we can't trust them? And um, I, I think our bodies as temples. I, I feel like the language has been just twisted and manipulated. Like I don't know if anyone actually believes that. <laughs> um, and I say that, you know, when you when you like look at the fruit and look at how people are actually in practice. Um, Many of the same people who are telling us um, to cover up, to protect, to, um, you know, um, to repent of what you've done with your body, um, or to don't be a stumbling block. Um, like later on, you find out that those same people have. have Talk about harmed, it, Morgan. Have harmed with their bodies other people's bodies. Preach, Morgan. Um, and It's like, did they even believe that? Or were they just trying to use scripture, which is good um, for their own power? And so I really think it's like important to investigate some of like our our Christianese and our Christian sayings Mm -hmm. and how we use them and, you know, be more critical in how we're using them, especially with like children and new people of the faith and our teenagers um people in, in formative years where we're using um, scripture, yeah. which which we say is holy, which we say is is truth, which you know, we say is, you know, pretty high up there in importance um, <laughs> in in our faith. and and we use it um, we what we do is we abuse scripture too, in an effort to control and ultimately abuse bodies. And I think that,
1: um, (laughs) Um, You've said it, you've said it (laughs) right there. Oh my gosh, you've said a mouthful and some. Yeah, I just. There's gonna be a church business, they're gonna gonna call us. There's gonna be a church business meeting (laughs) after this podcast church service. Like,
0: I, I've ran out of words because I'm, like, afraid of...
1: No, it's fair. It's like, God's, fair. God's judgment on the church. It's no, not... I was going to say, this sounds like a woe <laughs> to you a hypocrite. Right. That's what it sounded mm-hmm. like to me. When you said that yeah. they have abused scripture, I was like, oh, she's <laughs> entered into the woes. <laughs> you, Yeah, you slid over into into profit, <laughs> And it's okay. And it's necessary. Uh, the Bible talks about judgment beginning at the house of God. Mm-hmm. But so often we point our fingers outside of the house of God. No, it, it walks mm-hmm. circumspectly. It uh, begins yeah. with us. Uh, so if we're going to talk about being a model, we first have to model the behavior, the love, the accountability that we want so much to see in the, in the world. Um, we talk about mm-hmm. being sheep. We also talk about the wolves in sheep's clothing. That's important also. Yeah. Uh, and that mm-hmm. we do not, we, we do God a disservice when, when we deny reality and we act like we need to protect God. And isn't that fun, funny, the false equivalency that if we say something bad about a, a church leader, we're harming the image of God?
0: I know. The,
1: don't conflate the two. I know. Man of God and God are not the same. Um, if this person mm-hmm. has fallen, strip them of whatever they need to and send them on their way, God is still in control and this person doesn't need to be, you can, both things can be, this can be equally true. You can fire this person and raise your hands and worship at the same time, um, in order to pr- yeah. protect the innocent. Yeah. May yeah. we do it. I'm hoping, and I say, I'm hoping I was, <laughs> cause no, it's been very, very meaningful. I'm hoping that, uh, our listeners feel good about their buddies. Um, that this conversation has helped you um, address the woundedness in your own soul, your own spirit, and your own practice of faith, um, that you know that you are heard, honored, and respected here. And that if you need somebody to tell your story to, you can tell it to us and we will believe you the first time. Um, I'm just so grateful for you, Morgan, for sharing space, mm-hmm. for opening up and sharing your story, um, for rebuking shame and silence and telling people it's okay to use your voice and to say what you need to say, because it did happen. Um, and that we stand in our truth and we don't need to practice a faith that would deny us of that. Um, so I want to thank you for that. It's been an incredible conversation, <laughs> an incredible conversation. We're blessed to have you. I,
0: I went, I went to, before we, we close this out, Charlotte. if any of our listeners are in a church where they don't feel like their bodies are good um, without like good period, like no matter what they do no matter what they've done, no matter what they will do, no matter um, who's they marry or don't marry, or you know whether they give birth or don't give birth, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Your body is good. Period. Period. And if your church <laughs> doesn't make you feel that about your body, then um, as the the Twitter folks say red flag. <laughs> Let red the flag. church say
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> amen and amen again. Thank you, Morgan. <laughs> I want to thank our guest, Morgan Stralo, and extend to you, our listeners, an opportunity to know this Jesus who came to keep an eye out on things. And would never look away if you were being abused. The Raceless Gospel Podcast Season 3 is brought to you by Good Faith Media. You can support our work and witness by making a tax-deductible contribution to Good Faith Media at goodfaithmedia.org. This concludes this episode of the podcast, but not the conversation. Let's keep watching our body language. Head over to our Fellowship Hour at Raceless Gospel Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Raceless Gosp Pod on Twitter, absent in the body but present in the Wi-Fi spirit. I'll see you there. On next week's episode of the Raceless Gospel Podcast, we'll hear from Jamie E.D. Chisholm and talk about the instances when the North American church sits on its hands. Season three of the Raceless Gospel Podcast is brought to you in part by the CBF Podcast. Since 2016, the CBF Podcast has delivered over 300 episodes of interviews with thinkers, authors, theologians, creatives, and practitioners for conversations that matter. These critical and innovative conversations have garnered weekly support from around the world. The CBF Podcast tries to cultivate healthy and diverse theological dialogue and a culture fraught with division. Stream and subscribe to the CBF podcast on Apple, Google, Amazon, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast platforms. Learn more at cbf.net slash podcasts.